Hello and welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast, hosted by When Wisdom Calls. We hope and pray this episode gives you insight and uplifts your spirit. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Shangom, shangom, and welcome to the first official podcast episode for the Olive Tree Podcast. Um, so one thing that you're going to find out, I suppose, is most of these podcasts, if not all of them, are going to be pretty raw. So they're going to, like, I don't, I struggle. My mind doesn't compute writing things down and planning things um, in a linear fashion. I have a conversation with Yeshua and um, I simply just follow his lead. So there's not going to be, a, uh, I suppose, a set plan in motion for these podcast episodes. It's just, Yeshua put something on my heart and I speak about it until he says stop. Um, but effectively, we also want to do episodes that are um, interviews with people. And they, they may go longer, they may go shorter. We don't know how that looks yet. Um, I know that Shan and I, that's my wife Shan, um, would like to jump on board and, and be a part of discussions as well in in some episodes. So we'll play it all by ear and whatever Adonai says in the day is what we will we will achieve in that day. Um, but today I, I f- find it quite important and it's quite a, a, an increasingly um, pressing issue that I'm finding in the church. Um, and And... Oh, not just the church, I'm just finding in history full stop. Um, and regardless of which community of, or denomination or whatever you wish to call yourselves, um, I'm finding that more and more we actually need to go back to the basics. And what I mean by that is not just understand what the way is. And that that's going to be language you're going to be hearing me say consistently is referring to our way of life as the way. Um, and that's something we consistently hear, uh, a language we see consistently used pretty much in, in writings and history from Adam down to even the Apostles' time. And even up until um, Constantine, really, when, when it is uh, changed in, in language. Yes, in the Book of Acts, we do see people uh, referring to us as Messianics or in Greek, uh, sorry, no, in Latin, that becomes uh, Christophian, uh, Christosian, which is in English now Christian, uh, little Christ or little Messiah. Um, however, that's we still were known as people of the way as well. Um, and then the language changed when, when the events of Constantine took place. Um, and so... What I'm finding increasingly um, important is we go back and we learn what the way is and what it was um, and how it was used. And we we read books consistently throughout scripture and even other authoritative books um, that reveal or, or point to what the blessings of the way is, but not necessarily what the way itself actually is. And we see a letter written in Acts 15, um, which pretty much is being written for a group of converts that know nothing and have no historic or ancestral context of what the way is. And so the first four paragraphs of 
that book or that letter is simply outlining what the way is. And that book is actually known today as the Didache, or Didache, however you want to say it. In Hebrew, it would actually be translated simply as Hadalech, which means the way. Um, and we have that book today, um, but in the schism of the third century, um, those that followed Constantine actually rejected um, that writing out of their um, out of their canon. It was still somewhat used up until the 16th century, but it was it was scarce amongst the those that followed the the, the Western denominations. But those that followed the Eastern denominations uh, still actually have it in their canon, um, and it's a proven. It's proven that it was written in the time the oldest uh, the oldest known documents found is actually from the first century. Um, and so this is actually the letter that was written in Acts chapter 15. Um, and so in that document, it actually teaches us the two ways, the ways of life and the ways of death. And it, it goes into great detail of what the way is. Um, and I, I would encourage people, if you haven't read it, definitely read it. It's, um, it's, it's quite a insightful book. Um, and that's, that's legitimately how the, the messianic community for the first three centuries ran or, or yeah, ran for lack of better words, how they actually organized and ran the community. Um, and when you start to look at, look at how the messianic community ran and you look at how the priesthood ran itself and you look at, um, even pre pre exile Judaism, and it's pretty much on par. It is pretty much fits perfectly like a glove. Um, and it just goes to show how much Adonai is unchanging in his ways. He doesn't change from age to age. We do. We are very good at changing. But he does not change. His name does not change. His way does not change. We do. But all those things do not. And we have to, we have to come to a comfortability in the fact that our God is unchanging. And we have to submit regardless of whether we feel like our morals differ. Because at the end of the day, morals change, ethics don't. And so if his ethics are the precept and our morals are the concept, meaning things, uh, best way I can describe that is we're, we're making a stone image out of the wooden, um, um, what's the word that's used? out of the wooden prototype, for lack of better words. And so that wooden prototype was the mold or the model of how the masons would carve their stones. And so the ethics is that prototype. And then this stone statue that's being carved, that's the concept. That is what is being constructed afterwards. And so our morals are changing, but his ways and his ethics do not change throughout the ages. And so if we serve an unchanging God, then we have to conform to his unchanging way. Um, yes. However, I digress. There is an important matter um, that, that I would like to discuss. And it's going back to a very ancient practice, pre-flood. And we do see it. We do see it in practice, in, in even throughout Scripture, but we see it really die down um, towards the latter half 
of the third century. And so I would really, I would really say this: if we want to know what, if we want to know what Christianity or Messianic Judaism, whatever you want to call it, if we want to know what the way really is, follow from Adam down to mid third century church. Follow what the church fathers say and what those epistles and letters all talk about. Because after Constantine, the the doctrine changes and goes wonky. And so a lot, not all, but there's a significant amount of denominations and doctrines and all those things that are actually, like today, modern doctrines that stem out of apostasy and out of schism and out of, um, out of dogma and out of all these futile things. And now we really look vastly different to how we used to look prior to um, those schisms and prior to that change, uh, to the point that there was prophecies that foretold um, this kind of deception coming in and leading people away from the truth of the gospel and leading people away from the truth of what God is doing in the kingdom um, because it no longer fits their norm and it no longer fits the, the narrative. And that's where Isaiah says, in those days, you will call evil what is good and good what is evil. Um, and you will f- follow that which I dislike or that which I hate, and you will forsake and rebuke that which I love. Um, and that's a very dangerous place to be, um, especially those of us who simply, we, we seek Yeshua, we've come in repentance. And, and look, it says in, in Micah, you know, that it says this, I am the righteous judge and I do not judge the genuine ignorance of an idolater. So if when there is genuine ignorance, Adonai will still move and he will not judge you on behalf of that. However, when there is knowledge that that um, that there is repentance needed or a realigning or even just a course correction, um, and we choose not to because we, f- we feel safer where we are, then yes, he will he will measure us and give us the reward that is true to the measure. And there's there's something that we need to become comfortable with because he is he's realigning us, he's he's correcting the course of of his followers in the kingdom at the moment. And so we have to come to realize that God does not stop judging. But we have to stop we have to stop um, saying that judgment equates to wrath. The word for judgment in Hebrew is the word din, which means measure. It's a measuring. And so, no, um, measuring us, when he measures us, does not equate to him putting wrath upon us. But wrath and grace are products of measuring. And I'll put it this way. When he measures us, if we fall short of the measure, then where we are in a state of what is called wrath because we're submitted or subjected to things outside of the grace. And what he says in the prophets is that he lavishes grace upon us anyway. So where there is a lapse, where there is discipline required, he will give grace or lavish grace upon us in those, in those moments so that we can overcome any trial or so that anything that we've said yes to, we have the means to repent and actually walk a different path in that. And so we have to realign ourselves. And even Hebrew talks about in the milk, the, the, the realization of God's judgment. 
And so that's actually milk. And so if we forsake that, then that's a fundamental thing of the milk of the way. And at the end of the day, our God is a king. And so if he is the king and he's the king of the universe, in Hebrew we call him Melech Olam, the king of the universe or the king of forever. Kings, uh, like he is not just Moshi, he's not just savior, he is a king. And a lot of us seek him only for savior. But he, he, he came as savior, yes, but we call him Lord for a reason. So he is not just Moshi, he's not just savior, he is Melech, he is king. And if a king speaks then the king will get his way. And if we, his subjects, disagree with what the monarch says, with what the crown says, well, then we are in error and there is a repentance required. And that may sound harsh, but that is simply the way it is. But the good thing is, is we have a king who is gracious. We have a king who will come to us and say, I understand. I understand that you're learning. And I will walk with you. I'll forbear this and walk with you through this. But there will come a time where you need to mature and realize that these things are what they are. And so we do have to come to terms and stop judging his divinity based upon our opinions and based upon our comfortability. Because the fact of the matter is he was divine well, well before the conception of us. And as Hebrew puts it, as Hebrews, the book of Hebrews puts it, if something, like he's, he's referring to the, the order of Melchizedek, and he says, look, he's talking to the priest, and he says, your order came after the order of Melchizedek, and thus we have the order of Melchizedek. How much greater is that order compared to yours? So his divinity was there before our existence was. So how much greater is his divinity than our sense of righteousness? Let that sink in and actually say like that. Saying like in Hebrew means to ponder until you understand. Actually saying like that. Because we, we have a gracious, we have a phenomenal king that a lot of people who, who walk in his name dishonor. Because we, we subject him to our box and we subject him to think, uh, we subject him in, in the way that, that, we think that the kingdom is a democracy, so we all throw our votes or cast our vote, and we think that that's how he runs his kingdom. But it's a kingdom, which means king's, king's domain, which means whatever the king says, it goes. It doesn't go to a vote. He will ask our opinions. He will ask our thoughts, but that's not a vote. That's going, I want to know what my creation thinks. And we see this all throughout scripture. We do. We see him speak in such a way with the spiritual beings. We see him speak that way to righteous people and people who are his friends and prophets, etc. Um, we see him consistently say, now what, what are your thoughts on this? But we also see him say, this is what I have decreed. Thus, this is what shall happen. And we just had to run with it. And so this is what the kingdom is coming to. And we have to be at peace in the fact that the kingdom is coming to this. When I say the kingdom is coming to this, it's, it's more so that those in the kingdom that submit to him are coming back to the fact that he is our monarch. And what our, what our crown says goes. And we simply have to ask the questions of, okay, Lord, teach me. 
teach me to understand, teach me with your spirit of instruction, and teach me to love your way, as we see all throughout the Psalms. But that's just a tangent, so I digress. Um, what I really, uh, I've been discussing with Yeshua, and I have it really strong upon my heart, is the fact of um, that he's returning us to the the practice of the school of the prophets. Now, what's really interesting is when we first see the school of the prophets pop up, and that's in the pre-flood era, um, with Enoch, or Hanoch in Hebrew, the role, and it's actually very interesting at the fact that it continues post-flood in the same degree. The, the in, original intention of the school of the prophets was not to teach prophets to be prophets. It was teach. It was actually to teach people how to become what's called a ben navi, a son of a prophet, or bene nevim, sons of prophets. And who is a son of of who is a son of a prophet? And this was the pre flood definition. Anybody who studied prophecy, anyone that studied prophecy, so that could be scripture. That could be. Um, that could be any prophetic word of the day um, that's tested and proved, you know, anything that was written down, any prophecy, so that they could understand where they are in their time period and what God is doing in their time period. And so in Revelations, a lot of, and a lot of the um, Gentile believers know the quote this way, because it's in it's in the book of Revelations, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Yeshua. But we have this tradition, and it's also confirmed in, in the Talmud, I believe, and it's also in some of the pre-flood writings, where it says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of El Shaddai. And so that's a very ancient worldview, a very ancient paradigm is, is the fact that the spirit of prophecy testifies or is the testimony of our God. So therefore, when we stop or when we cease the study of it, we actually, um, it, it was considered, and there's even um, some of the lost writings which have been kept by specific uh, Jewish families that ran and escaped the exiles. Um, so in those books in their canon, which are the lost prophets, actually say in them that and they've been very well preserved um but they actually say that those that don't study prophecy are actually in sin and in error because they remove themselves outside of god's story so then all of their actions uh i say all of their actions but it pretty much says because all of the actions will be outside or adjacent to his story and then they have to actually repent of their their own stubbornness or their hardness of heart and come back in chuva in in a returning to your origins, so that you can reconstitute yourself into his testimony, so that you are um, using your free will in honor of his test is uh, in honor of his testimony. And so that's a very very important thing because that's how a lot of um, the fathers that's how a lot of the the early church that's how a lot of the the people that followed the way regardless of what time in history that is how they all uh viewed the world this is god's testimony so when he speaks regardless whether it was in the past or it's happening right now and it's a tested and proven word we have to study it 
so that we can keep up with what God is doing and we can recognize the signs so that we don't do what the Pharisees did and the Sadducees did. They stopped studying prophecies and when the Messiah came and a select few people of the priests recognized that he was the Messiah and a select and all of the prophets recognized he was a Messiah. He was the Messiah because they studied they studied the prophecies and they knew, they saw the signs and they went, yes, he is it. And the Pharisees and Sadducees who were outside of the testimony went, no, he's not. And so he's bringing us back to this concept of studying the prophecies to know the time. And so they, they became two kinds of sons of prophets um, because there was people who were, who were studying um, they were studying under a prophet. And then suddenly God would start to move on some of the students and they would prophesy. And sometimes it was a gift of prophecy and sometimes it was the office. And if it was the office, then you then came the dilemma of what do we do with these people? How do I teach them now? And so God instructed there to be a, a place for those who were to be the prophets later how the upcoming prophets to learn. And so the sons of the prophets were split to two kinds of categories, those who are students of prophecy and those who are to become prophets later. And we get all the way down the line to John the Baptist with his school of the prophets, and he makes a distinction. And those that uh, the, those who are the upcoming prophets, he called the sons of the prophets as B'nai Nevim or Ben-Navi, uh, uh, son of a prophet. And then you had those who were the students of prophecy, and they were called Ben Amen, or the sons of Amen, uh, because they agreed. Because the word Amen in Hebrew means, I agree, and upon this I stand. And so if you're a son of your agreement, and you're a son upon the road that you're attesting to, then that you were attesting to the, and agreeing to what the prophecies were saying. And John the Baptizer called those um, students Ben Amen the sons of Amen. Um, and that's very important. And so we're coming back to this. Um, and it's a very important thing, very important thing, because to understand what Adonai is doing, we have to understand what he's already said. We have to understand what he's saying now. We have to have um, a willful heart that longs and is excited or enthusiastic to do righteous things and not a a sloth a, a slothness that becomes slack in doing righteous things um and some of the the books of the temple library actually refer to um the fruits of the spirit but they actually also refer to them being the roots of the spirit uh which is quite interesting but they give definitions of the fruits of the spirit that we actually see in galatians uh, so it was it was a very ancient concept, and um, some of those definitions are actually quite amazing. But they specifically say those that follow the way of death, or another way, which just means false doctrine in Judaism. So those that follow another way will be sloth-like in doing righteous things, but those that follow the way will be enthusiastic. In doing righteousness and so this is part of that in relation to studying the prophecies 
because many of them, even if we're uncomfortable with it, and even if we 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 feel that we are ill-equipped to studying um, the idioms and all those things, that is still our call to understand the times. Yeshua rebuked the Pharisees and Sadducees constantly, for for and he said this: "You had uh, the prophecies; you had them readily available. You should know the times and the seasons and the markings and all and the signs, etc. You should know these things." But you've forsaken them. With the you've forsaken them by the traditions of your elders, and you have gone and taught my word in the way that it was never meant to be taught. And that's a huge rebuke. He's going. You didn't study the prophecies. You didn't look at these things. You followed another way and then taught the Tanakh, taught Scripture, and even those prophecies in a way that was never intended to be taught. And you've led people astray. And so, if he's rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees for saying those for for that exact practice, then we should take a lesson and use that as our lesson and go, okay, we need to come back into alignment to the way and and have an enthusiasm in studying these things, so we can recognize the times, so that we don't, you know, we're, we're not being thrown about and tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine and. And, and so that whenever a rumor of a wall comes up, we're not losing ourselves to fear, but we're actually gaining ourselves because we're turning and saying, okay, Yeshua, what is your thoughts? What, are, what is your insight in this? And we would already have that in our heart. Um, Hanoch or Enoch, he says, a very, he says something very interesting. God opened my eyes and I saw to the extent of my intellect, meaning he... he pretty much see in the spirit or, or experience prophecy to the extent that he could his, his spirit could handle and there's a lot of people that don't mature themselves so their spirit can handle only very very little and all throughout um, the ages there was three faculties or three um, attributes of our spirit that needed to grow and that was our 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 faculty of reason or logic our faculty of the imagination and the faculty of ethics. Because if our faculty of ethics is out of sync with his, then we're not going to grow into righteousness. If our imagination, or in Hebrew, yetzer, which is the condition of your spirit, if that's out of alignment with his condition, then we're not going to grow into righteousness. And if our reason or logic is out of alignment with what the norms of his creation is, then we're going to grow out of alignment. Because we're going to grow into disbelief, and that's a huge difference. We need to we need to stop marrying disbelief and doubt up. Disbelief simply means you don't have the logic or you don't have the the knowledge to compute what's going on, so you you disbelieve it. But doubt actually means to forget that God cares. And so if 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 we we have to stop mixing those two up. So if you don't have the logic or the reason then you're going to be in disbelief because you're not going to be able to compute what is going on in front of your eyes. And so, but to grow your logic or your reason, to grow your imagination and grow your ethics was how the ancient righteous people would teach themselves to become more righteous or to, to have a humbled spirit so that they could grow in God's standard, which is what righteousness is. And so he's bringing us back to that. And so he's 
actually calling us. He's, he's, there is a call that's going out right now, and he's stirring people to study the prophetic books. He's, he's stirring people to become interested again, not in the doctrines, not in the, not in, um, you know, being, it's not even about being right, but it, it's not, not in being proud in where you're at, because that is, uh, Proverbs says, and even Ecclesiastes says, to be proud with where you're at is wickedness. <laughs> There's a difference with being being proud in the way that you are you are humbled and you are excited with where you're at, and being genuinely proud and belittling of others because of where you are. So if you're the latter, then Proverbs and Ecclesiastes calls that wickedness. If you're the former, then that that he that steward that until it becomes a curiosity for intimacy, so it can become more. That is important, and so he's stirring this move. Move is movement is probably the wrong word, but he's causing people to move back towards this ancient um, construct of the school of the prophets to be a son of the prophet, to be what. Um, to be what the Zadokite priests would call uh, B'nai Ha'or, the sons of light, which when you translate son of light into Latin, it becomes saint. So you're starting to see a lot of correlations there. But those that were called the saints were those that studied the prophecies and did not embark on another way, which is false doctrine. They studied the prophecies, they stayed steadfast upon the way, they were unchanging, they sought Messiah, they sought Adonai, and they followed in his direction. If a prophet came to them and spoke, they would see his fruit, they would see the word. If it was wrong, then they rebuke him and just go, you know, we're not going to be around you anymore. If it was true, and importantly, they didn't rebuke him because they were uncomfortable. A lot of people go, this is false because I'm uncomfortable. That is what um, the prophets actually call wickedness. And it's a really hectic place to be because many prophecies made people uncomfortable, but they were still in, they were still imparting what's called the gift of hope because regardless whether it's a, if it's encouraging, whether it's comforting, whether it's, um, it's a directional word or a correctional word, it's still telling you of a future. Therefore there is hope. And so they would never look at a prophet or person prophesying and say, you make me uncomfortable, thus you're evil or you're false. No, they would look at the fruit of the prophet and they would look at the word. They would look at it based upon the prophecies they knew and go, okay, that's true or that's false based upon the prophecy because it's his testimony, so it won't contradict itself. And so that's why we need to come back because there's a lot of people that are judging prophecy and saying what, saying something is false when most of what, what is technically false today is actually true. And that's that's a that's a really dangerous place to be because that's that's when we start to to get into the domain or the territory of profaning the spirit. Uh, but that's a that's a lesson for another time. And so he's stirring people to come back to the the, the school of the prophets, to be sons of the prophets, um, to study the prophecies, to recognize where we are in the time, and in the calendar, and and so that we can move in one accord as a kingdom, both 
constituents of the kingdom physical and constituents of the kingdom spiritual. We will work as one. And that's what the prophecies also refer to. I hope that makes sense to everybody. Um, now that, that brings me to, to another thing I, I've, um, I've had a discussion with Yeshua about, and he's, he's placing this on people's hearts. And so they will see a lot of these really ancient types of school of the prophets begin to start. Um, he's definitely put it a, a few years back. He, he put it in my heart. Um, and he, he said that, but the language he uses is you have inherited one. Um, and so I sat on that for a bit going, okay, I, I didn't quite understand. At first I thought it was through my bloodline. So I was looking through my bloodline and I could understand where it could come from. But then as I was looking through it, I, I began to, um, realize, I think you should just went, no, this is what I meant. Um, that it wasn't inherited in the way of like the order of Levi, that it was through your bloodline, but rather like the order of Melchizedek, which was, it was inherited through the impartation from his will to you. And so I went, okay, that makes sense. And he's doing that to many, many, many people around the world. Um, because this is the time that we need to start to study these things and understand it and, and come to, to, and to come to realize that prophecy is not, is not malleable to our doctrine, but the, it's the other way around. It's our doctrine. That's actually malleable to prophecy because doctrine is a way, a truth and a life. And his testimony or prophecy being his testimony is the way, the truth, the life, which is what Yeshua says. I am, the way, the truth, and the life, which means our ways, truths, and lives have to submit to, to him and to submit to his story. And that's how it is. And that's how it's been for thousands of years. And a lot of people will go, no, but that feels wrong. Well, it's not wrong because that's what we see as common practice from Adam all the way down the line. And we see that starting to change in the days of Constantine. So from Adam till just before Constantine, that was agreed upon. And that's a that's an over 4,000-year period. So that's still a longer-standing time than the doctrines of today. So it's been tested and it's been proved and it's withstood the test of time. Um, and so he's bringing people back to this. And so... Um, this week, actually, the, the school that he told uh, me that I would inherit, he's, he's told me that it, it was time, and so that's launched, and so that's now up and running. And he specifically told me to call it Beit Niv Shavatayim, which means house of the fruitful lips. And Niv Shavatayim is the earliest known expression that meant prophecy. It means fruitful lips. Um, and it's actually really interesting because prophecy, or Nebua, is actually one of the only words that are derived from an expression. So I find that very, very interesting. Um, and so it's the house of the fruitful lips and it's to, and it's to teach people how to walk in the way, how to walk maturely in the fruits of the spirit. If there's spiritual gifts, we're going to equip you with that. But the main purpose is to, is to study prophecy and to study scripture. And if you do have an office gift, so if you are a prophet or you are a seer, we will teach you as well. Um, and that's, so that's up and running now, and you can go and see that on whenwisdomcalls.com, and there's a tab um, 
called Beit Nif Shavatayim and at the bottom. So we're doing it online as an online yeshiva or an, or an online institution. Um, and the it's currently going to be on Discord. If Yeshua tells us to change it, then we will change it in, in days to come or time to come. But it's it's effectively going to be an on, online yeshiva um, where the uh, all of the categories, so both categories of the sons of the prophets can come and they can mingle and they, there's, there's a, a space for people to do independent studies on their own. Um, there's a space, like there's a, a, um, classrooms for the sons of a man and the sons of the prophet, um, to come and learn. And so that's up and running now. Um, and it's, it's, how do I put it? It is free. It's a, it's a free course. However, in so saying that it's, it's been, um, put on my heart to also put it this way. So you don't have to pay up front. Um, however, we'll do, it'll be like a, a system where it's first fruits, a teruma. And so whatever you, and this is between you and Yeshua, you and Adonai, whatever you believe it is worth to you, pay that. Because um, at the end of the day, I'm also out of the work I've transitioned out to focus on ministry and Yeshua has said, you know, do it this way. So you can pay at the beginning of the course if you want, you can pay in the middle of the course, or you can pay at the very end of the course. Um, and that's how he strictly told me to do it. So it's, it's not in, intended to be pay, get in, get out, but it's intended to go like if we, he told me to set it up in and fashion it from the ancient ways. Um, and a lot of people have issue with, with some of those ancient practices. And thus he said, we'll do it as a Turuma. But the ancient practice was you become a community. Um, and we see this in Acts where the wealth of the community or the wealth of the individual became the wealth of the community. And so if a person came in and there was debt, the community could pay that debt off and they would buy houses or buy material to build communes. And we actually first see that practice with uh, the schools of the prophets under Samuel, where the town they built, they called it Nayot. And then that word Nayot actually strictly became um, indistinguishable from the school of the prophets. So you could technically call it a Nayot if you want. Um, but anybody that came in to live, and generally those people who lived there were the, the prophets themselves or the upcoming prophets. And then anybody from other towns would come and they would learn. Um, and they were the, the Ben Amen, the Ben Amen, the sons of Amen. Um, but that's how it was. And a lot of people are unhappy with that, uh, doing that system. And so I just went, Yeshua, how do we rectify this? And he said, we'll do it based upon a Teruma system. So it's not, it's not um, revolving around this finance, but it's between, this is what he said to me, it's between me and them on what to give and how much to give and when. And I went, okay, well, if you're in control of that, I'm happy with that. And so that's how we're setting it up. Um, but it's you are able to enroll now and you're able to get right into the server. And as soon as we have enough members, we're going to start doing this, these studies again, going through all of the prophecies that we can. And even studying prophecies that have been released in modern times or recent times, whatever you want to call it. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter 
it doesn't like from it's all his testimony so it doesn't matter when it was prophesied it matters at the fact we need to study the 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 parables so that we can recognize the time we're in and the times we're heading into um and that's just how we that's how we should be um, establishing ourselves upon the rock anything else uh really has been proven through history um to be the sand and and that's a when the winds and the waves and the storms come though whatever's established on that sand is just going to come crumbling down um and that's that's not safe that that's a that's a dastardly place to be um but yes i hope that that makes sense so please feel free to you can find it on the when wisdom calls facebook page or you can go to whenwisdomcalls.com um and uh, go to the tab Beit Niv Shavatayim and go to the bottom of that page where it's it has a link to Beit Niv Shavatayim's server. Um, and then you just follow what it asks you to follow from there. It is going to be on the platform Discord. So if you don't have Discord, you will need to download that and you'll need to um, create an account. Um, and the reason we're doing it on Discord is because uh, Discord is effectively, it, it doesn't censor. So the, what I'm finding a lot of social media places are doing is they're starting to censor anything religious or anything that sounds counterintuitive to political correctness. Um, and so that's that's not a healthy environment to host a school. And Yeshua strictly said to me, host it as an online thing. And so I went, Sh- well, show me. And he showed me a vision of a nayot, of, of a commune. And he, I was watching people study. I was watching... Um, the upcoming prophets in their classroom. I was watching the the students of prophecy studying in their classrooms, and I was watching, you know, the just the community function, um, irrespective of what was happening. It wasn't one class at one time, and it, it, you know, it was it was really intricate. And I went okay, and he and he said, so find a platform that can honor that. And Discord was the only one we could find. And the beautiful thing about that is. Um, the censorship or any form of censorship is is um, at the disc- at the at the leisure of the moderators or the server owner. Um, so that's amazing. So it is going to be on Discord. Discord is a free server. Well, it's a free app, um, and you can download that, make an account, and then you'll. Um, be given access into this this school where we will do studies there will be some studies will be um studies on like uh that was poorly worded <laughs> some studies are going to be um like text threads or writing threads and people will just be typing out um specific studies on on specific um you know uh verses of of scripture etc and others are going to be in like audio and visual uh, like audio and video calls um when it comes to the school itself is in like the 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 lessons for the sons of amen and the lessons for sons of prophets um they will the video calls that will be recorded and saved to the server. So even if you missed out, you could go back and watch those lessons. 
and that's how that's how he's shown me to do it and that's and thus I want to obey Adonai and so whatever he says I'm just going to ask the question so I can understand and then I can follow and obey to the letter um, so that's up and running now so please if you if he's put that on your heart to come and learn um, please avail yourself of it more than happy um, and the more the merrier I'm quite keen and quite excited to 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 start um, lessons there um, and I'm finding even in the day-to-day -day, there's more people coming to myself who are asking you know where can I go and study prophecies or what prophecies do you think I should study and we haven't spoken about it <laughs> they're just God's leading people to come back to this practice and so it's really important that we come proficient in this practice again um, but yeah Anyway, that's where I'm going to leave it uh, for this evening. So thank you very much for your time. Um, and again, as I said in the introduction episodes, uh, there may be multiple episodes a week. There may not. Depends on what Yeshua says. So uh, I know there's some people that have messaged me going, I'm going to be praying that there's going to be more in a week than just one. <laughs> so to you guys, if you if you pray uh, and Adonai honors it, you'll, you, will, you will have your prayers answered pretty quickly. So, but anyway... I hope you have a good time, and until I speak again, shalom. Thank you for listening to the Olive Tree Podcast. Your support means the world to us, so we are thankful you joined us today. The Olive Tree Podcast and When Wisdom Calls are not-for-profit ministries, and we are so thankful that we are able to bring resources to you at absolutely no cost. That being said, if you feel called to support our ministry, you can help us to continue creating content into the future by heading over to whenwisdomcalls.com and clicking on the Give tab. Want to know more about how you can get involved? Check out our website for more details, whenwisdomcalls.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next time.